1: Jesus said if you hold to my teachings you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus said blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Well it's the exact opposite of being proud in spirit or being self-sufficient. It's a consciousness of my having nothing apart from God and what he does in my life. It's the opposite if you like of being full of self One translation puts it this way, How blessed are those who know their need of God? I guess one of the characteristics of the Christian life is that the more we go on in this life, the more we are aware of the fact that we need God's grace at work in our life. And everything that happens in our life and through us, any fruit we bear is a result of God's grace. In AD 56, Paul said, I am the least of the apostles, but not worthy to be called an apostle. Two years later, he rephrased that. He said, I am less than the least of all the saints. And then another four years later, he said this, I am the chief of sinners. Now, of course, Paul was not groveling in self-hatred. He was glorying in the grace of God. He was saying, as he was for all of us, I am what I am by the grace of God. This is set free with Ken
0: Legg, and I'm Phil Edwards. This week we're looking at the subject of becoming people of influence. Now, yesterday Ken shared with us that God has made us people of influence, and Jesus used two pictures to illustrate that: salt and light. And one of the points Ken made yesterday is that our influence is not so much doing, but actually being. With a salt, because we are different. So don't let the savour of our difference be lost by becoming like the world. With a light, because we reflect. His light as the moon reflects the sun. So just let your light shine. But Ken, you went on to say that the uh, the works that we are to let the world see are not so much good deeds or charitable things, not that they're unimportant, but that the world can do those too. Our works are unique. They're the works that reflect the distinct character of Christ. I'd like to know a little bit more about about that, about where you're coming from.
1: Okay. Um, I mentioned that in the context of this passage, these works Reflect the character of Christ, and they are what we call the Beatitudes. Okay, so we start with the first one, which is Blessed are the poor in spirit, for mm-hmm. theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, the supernatural life of Christ operates in the life of the person who has come to the end of themselves. As I said, to be poor in spirit is the exact opposite of being proud in spirit or being self sufficient, thinking I've got it all, you know. So when we come to Christ, We learn to find our sufficiency in Him. Independence begins to be replaced, if you like, with Christ-dependence or Christ-dependency. So God gives grace to the humble. But what does that mean, to be humble? Well, humility is not to say that we're nothing because God doesn't say we're nothing, Mm -hmm. but it's to say that we can do nothing without Him. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. So humility acknowledges that. Humility is not that I just stop trying to do anything. But it's that I realize that everything I do must be empowered by Him. Mm. You know, He's the vine, but a vine does need branches in order to bear its fruit. So Jesus doesn't want us to be anything other than a branch. That is to receive His life, and that will lead to fruit bearing. Mm.
0: What about the beatitude that comes after it, though? Blessed are those who mourn. Doesn't sound very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Uh, in fact, the whole structure of life in the Western
1: society is an attempt to avoid the idea of sorrow. The pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness. Mm. The human spirit instinctively shrinks from sadness and suffering. It's natural to want to be happy and also to be around happy people. And yet, Jesus said,
0: Happy are those who sorrow. <laughs> kind of doesn't make sense in one respect. No.
1: So, what was he saying? Well, of course, to mourn is to feel the pain for what sin has done in this world and and to the people of this world. It's a proper response, if you like, Phil, to that which is wrong in our lives and in this world in which we live, and, and that which hurts us. You know, the Bible says there is a time to weep and there's a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and there's a time to dance. So, when Jesus said, Happy are those who mourn, he acknowledged that since pain happens to everyone, Grief is a natural human experience. Now, we could say that pain in this life is due to one of three factors. Number one, it could be a result of my own actions. Okay, mm-hmm. If I do the wrong thing, I will suffer the consequences. There's always consequences for sin. We're forgiven, but if I do the wrong thing, there are usually repercussions. Secondly, I might be suffering because of what others have done to me. Yeah. But thirdly... Sometimes suffering comes just as a result of living on a fallen planet. Now, you remember Job, uh, when he went through his struggle, the friends of his, you know, his so-called counselors came alongside, and it seems like they had no room in their theology for this third category. They thought that his suffering must be directly linked to some action of his, He must have sinned Mm. in order to suffer. No one suffers unless they've sinned. That was their theology. But sometimes it's not a result of um, our own actions, or even of something that people have done directly to us. Sometimes suffering happens in life just because we live on this fallen planet.
0: Mm -hmm. I think it's true to say that uh, a lot of Christians feel that God is still sort of wanting to catch up with them, though. Regarding their sins, you know, there's going to be some uh, consequence because of that. You know.
1: Well, let's look at this whole beatitude. You know, Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. So when we talk about mourning, we're talking about being sorrowful for our sins, repenting, if you like. Mm -hmm. Now, Jesus, of course, was called a man of sorrows. He wept because of sin and its consequences. Uh, In fact, there are three times in the Bible when we see and read that Jesus wept. You remember he wept at the, the tomb of Lazarus? Okay, the wages of sin is death. So he was really weeping over the consequences of sin. Then there was a time he went up to um, the hill overlooking Jerusalem and he wept over the city because they were rejecting him and they were going to face the consequences of their sin. And then, of course, he wept uh, in Gethsemane where he was going to go to the cross and bear the sin of the world, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of mourning that he's talking about a, a sorrow. For sin. Now, just hold on to that for a moment, Phil. There, there are two kinds of mourning that we think of and and are found in the Scripture. One is bereavement for the dead. You know, when we when we lose someone that is very close to us. But the other is this kind of mourning, this spiritual mourning, if you like, this weeping over sin, this repentance. Now, there's an interesting verse in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10 where it brings both of those ideas together. God says, "I will pour on the house of David." and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. And so there is talking about grieving over like a firstborn son. Mm-hmm. But we know that, it's, of course, it was prophetically talking about Jesus and the fact that he would die for our sin. And, and that's what sin does. That's why people mourn, because it can take the loveliest life that ever lived on earth and smash it upon the cross. But that's where our comfort lies, because those that mourn, those that see what sin has done, but then turn to Christ, who was the sin bearer, Mm. receive this comfort. And of course, Jesus is the comfort, but the Holy Spirit is the comforter. He's the one that applies that comfort to us.
0: How reassuring is that? I mean, sin brings sadness to our world and to us personally, but God brings Comfort through Christ and what he did on the cross. You know, the, the gospel is just, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, in fact, it, actually, if you look at these Beatitudes, there, there seems to be like a progressive order because these
1: first two prepare us for one that's coming up soon. And that is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, mm. for they shall be filled. So we start with, blessed are the poor in spirit, where we see, you know, our own emptiness apart from God. Blessed are those who mourn where we understand that we have sinned, we've contributed to the pain in this life, but then there comes the comfort who is Jesus and and he's the one that brings us this righteousness that we're hungering and thirsting after. And that of course
0: is found in Christ himself. Mm. If you want to do a really short Bible study, the shortest the, uh, shortest verse in the Bible, of course, is the one that says, Jesus wept. Yeah. It's in John somewhere, memory. The shortest verse, but you know what? But, but it's the one meaning there is isn't that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it'll probably turn into a very long study if you really dwell on it. Yeah. We'll leave our discussion there today and pick it up tomorrow on the subject of becoming a person of influence. Until then, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free.
1: For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Lake and details about Ken's ministry, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.